Because for me, the compression garments, while they were, you know, doing a job in terms of trying to heal my body, I felt like I was hiding, felt like I was hiding all of the new scars that I had and I was hiding away and acting like there was nothing there. So posting them was like this, you know, this is what's underneath. And if you're not okay with it, then I don't want you in my life. And I'm, I'm working on being okay with it. And this is the first step for me to really accept my body. And for me now, I actually find self-care for me. Like I actually really enjoy taking photos, which is why the modeling and the Instagram content and stuff is so good because I find it somewhat therapeutic. Like I really like finding the new angles and different like details that I can take and that look artsy in terms of my scars. I think there's real art in people's bodies. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome back to episode 71 of The Balance Theory podcast. I just want to thank you for tuning in to another awesome guest episode where you're going to be armed with a lot of mindset tools and tips which will hopefully help you in your daily attempt to reach balance. Today, I'm joined by a guest whose story I've been following for a little while now. Some of you may have seen her on Instagram, but I'm truly mostly inspired by how she's turned what I consider to be a really big tragedy in her life to something that has fueled her own confidence, journey and resilience. And of course, I'm speaking none other than the lovely Brianna. So when Brianna was only 16 years old, she was caught in a house fire and received burns to over 60% of her body. After defying the odds, countless surgeries and grueling physical therapy, Brianna found her self-love and passion for taking photos during her recovery and sharing that with the world, a passion that has led her to creating her own social media platform and birthed a whole new area of passion. Aside from sharing this personal traumatic experience with us all today on the podcast, what we really learn from Brianna and what her story really has to share with us is how to overcome self-doubt, resilience, and really redefining self-love. So if you're listening right now, I want you to really have a think about your own self-love. Do you love yourself? Now imagine being in a position where you are sort of struggling with that concept and then your body goes through a massive change, a massive transformation, and you then have to reconnect with a self-love and re-understand what that means to you on a whole new level. That's what Brianna not only successfully did, but champions and pioneers today, which really encompasses the concept that value and worth don't come externally. And she takes body image self-acceptance to a whole nother level. She's actually a massive inspiration in my opinion. I love the way that she shares her expression and her body, which she now calls uh, her body art with the world. And the strong woman that has emerged and that I interviewed is one I am so honored and blessed to share with all of you today. She also introduces something really interesting called Phoenix Cups, which is a concept that looks at the idea of filling your cup, but it takes it to a whole nother level, which was the first time I'd heard it. So I want to thank Brianna for sharing that and bringing it to the podcast. And she also shares a little bit about approaching challenges in general. You guys are going to get a lot out of hearing this beautiful story, hearing from this beautiful young woman. And I've popped a link to her Instagram in the show notes below. Definitely follow along her journey and reach out to her and say hi if you love today's episode. Of course, if you're not also already linked with us on Instagram, come on over and connect with us. We are at The Balance Theory. And if this story inspires you, motivates you or sparks any cool ideas in your mind, then share it with somebody who you think 
would also love it too. Lastly, and just very quickly, if you haven't had a chance to leave us a review or rating on Apple or Spotify yet, it would mean the absolute world to me. And it also helps passing listeners work out if this is a community and a podcast that works for them. So feel free to go and leave your thoughts and I guess how the episodes have helped you in your quest to find balance. And it's also a lovely message to me to let me know what you guys are loving the most out of the episodes. That's it from me, guys. Let's dive straight in. All right, Balancers. Today I'm joined by the lovely Brianna. Welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. It's so lovely to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. I know you had a little bit of a uh, delayed afternoon, bit of a chaotic day. How's everything going on your side of the world? Chaos is definitely the way to describe it. I work in childcare and staffing at the moment is just really difficult with COVID sort of at its peak again. So it's just been crazy all week. And then today I'm like trying to get here as fast as possible. And I'm like, everything's in my way. So chaotic (laughs) definitely describes life at the moment. Yeah, I can definitely feel that. They do say, though, that the best things come after all the obstacles. So I'm going to say that this podcast is like something that was like hard to get to, but it's going to be something awesome. (laughs) Yes, I love that. So other than uh, childcare, I know you do a little bit more with your time. Can you explain to our listeners what else you do in your spare time or I guess the other areas of interest you have? So on the side, I always say it's like my side hustle. Um, I basically have grown a little platform for myself over on Instagram. Um, So I create content. Some of it is just me living my life, which is sort of how my platform grew in the first place. And then some of it's specific content creation. I work with a lot of brands now. Um, I've started modeling. I flew to Sydney on Monday to um, shoot a campaign with Bonds, which was super exciting. I still can't believe that I flew to Sydney and back in a day. That was crazy. Thank you. But it was super, super exciting. So yeah, I'm sort of just sharing my own journey and things that I've gone through in my life. And it's created this awesome little space for myself. Yeah, no, and I'm definitely keen to dive into that space and your story a little bit more. But I did want to know, was modeling sort of working with brands, was that something you always wanted to do? Or has that just sort of come about the advent of your life events? I think both. Because of like, I'm sort of 22. So the Instagram like was starting like with the influences and all that when I was in high school. And it was always one of those things that I've always enjoyed taking photos. And one of my best friends and I, like, we've always loved getting like the aesthetic picture and taking all of those photos and stuff. But it was always one of those unattainable um, sort of goals or ideas that seems like you can't do that. Like there's no way you're going to be like the next influencer or YouTuber or something like that. Um, So it was always like an interest to me. I just thought it was never going to be possible Um, And so then I sort of, I went after an opportunity specifically when COVID sort of hit its peak, I went after um, an online ambassadorship competition and I won, which I really did not expect. Um, So there was a combination of that I ended up chasing after it, but it also did just sort of come about given my circumstances and how I sort of chose to live my life. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm hearing from you there is like, it doesn't matter if you have, for anyone listening, I guess, like if you have self-doubt or you think, oh, I'd love to do this thing, but that's just, you know, I can't do that. That's not in my life path. 
the simplest way to get around that is action. You just take action, right? You just do the small step. You take the the next step is all you can really focus on. Do you though still feel like those um, emotions or that self-doubt still comes up for you? Like, I think um, people sometimes refer to it as imposter syndrome. Like you almost feel like you shouldn't be doing what you're doing or have you fully embraced where you're at in life now? There's definitely sometimes where I feel like very small because I'm sort of what a very smaller influencer. Like I compare my platforms like 16,000, which sounds huge in, but then at the same time, like when you look at the people with 20,000, 500,000, 1 million, it's like you're very small fish in a very big pond. So sometimes most of the time I'm very proud of my achievements and I'm like, I deserve this. This is amazing. Like I'm only growing at the same time. There are times where I'm like, I'm only small. Like, it's not really that big of a deal. I'm, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why everyone thinks it's so cool. So it definitely doubt does creep in. But for the most part, I'm very secure in where I've gotten to and how I've gotten to it. Yeah, no, I love that you've shared that because I think some people think, oh, you know, you've made it for potentially where they want to go and they think you've got it all figured out. And I think it's a nice way just to remind everyone that we do have those moments in life. You know, it's it's just a part of how life goes. But another thing that I was thinking of when you were speaking just then is like, we're always going to be chasing the next thing. Like, you know, you'll get to 10,000 then it'll be, okay, I want 20,000. You get 20,000, you want 30,000 and it kind of never ends. So it's just like also a nice reminder to be like, Hey, this is where I'm at right Right now. now. And I think it's really important to take a step back from the numbers and it Mm. not be so focused on, I've got to get this big. I've got to get this big. It's more important about the message you're putting out and the, community you're creating around you the people that you're affecting if that's only a few but you're like really improving impact. their life and helping them big impact over like actual numbers mm. yeah absolutely and I can definitely resonate when I started the podcast I was so fixated on how many download numbers am I getting how's it different to last week and then I just thought you know I've started this podcast and I think that relates with what you're you're doing too like you started your platform to make an impact to share your story and if if one person listens or 10,000 people listen it's still making an impact either way so it's like just appreciate kind of where you're at in your journey but speaking of journeys I know yours is one that's filled with resilience finding self-love and I would love for you to share your story your period of recovery and the events that have happened in your life to leave you lead you where you are today Thank you. Um, so it started for me I, in 2016 when I was 16 years old. I was in a house fire. Um, so it was in the middle of the night, very scary, had no idea what was going on. And basically as I was trying to escape the house, I actually ran into where the fire started. So my shirt, the back of my shirt lit on fire and I received heat burns on most of my body. Um, So I was lucky enough to survive. My mum basically rescued me and helped me and um, the ambulance came and we found out it was 60% burns, which um, I sort of was like, knew that there was something wrong, but didn't really know how bad it was. So when my mum heard that, she was really scared. 60% is very big when you consider like the body. Um, So after that, I was taken to the hospital and I was put into an induced coma um, for around a month at varying levels um, of consciousness. And then I was in the hospital for about three months, just having surgeries and recovering and 
um, having different grafting done and different physio done and very, very long road of recovery um, on top of the trauma of living in a house fire and things like that. So that on top of then sort of having what felt like an entirely new body to accept mm-hmm. was a lot <laughs> for a 16 year old to take on. I can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah. I, I still, I'm very, very proud of the 16 year old me that was able to just take all of that. I know that it was never like an easy time. Um, and there was a lot of, a lot of tears, um, but I, I, I think back to that 16 year old, I'm like, wow, like, that's insane that you did that. You know, I come home from work some days now and I'm like crying and I'm like, this is terrible. I can't do this anymore after a really hard day. And I'm like, have a look at the 16 year old that was doing this at the time and think about what you have been through and use that to empower yourself a little bit. That's really beautiful. And I'm very, um, I'm so humbled firstly for you to share your story and it's very, it's incredible. And I can't even imagine what you've been through, but I think the, um, the message out of your recovery is so beautiful. Your newfound self-love and the way you have a newfound relationship with your body was one of the biggest reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast. I think it's such a, an awesome message to share. I think you know, people, are, I remember reading, um, not that this directly relates to you, but I remember reading an article about somebody who uh, became paraplegic in, a, in an accident. They said, you know, we spend all our lives wishing we had more toned legs or skinnier legs or more tan legs or legs with less hair. And we're always being so fussy until, you know, one day you just want to have legs. You just want to have a body. However it was, it's perfect. It's just the way it is. And, and I think your message is so profound because you had to then go into a new acceptance phase with your new body. So can you talk to me a little bit about that process? Cause I think a lot of people would be, especially at 16 years old. I mean, I definitely remember myself as 16 years old and listening to you speak. I don't think I was, would have been in that headspace at all. And, you know, especially as young women growing up in the Western society where body image is a huge, huge thing. You know, I think it's very hard to fall into that place of acceptance. So can you talk to me a bit about that process for you? What was there anything that helped you or what lessons have you sort of taken out of that surrender? I suppose it's sort of like a big surrender. Definitely. I think the biggest thing I've learned is sort of reiterating on how the article you read, um, accepting your body now as is, because it can be taken away in a second if you're always chasing after the next thing that will make you happy or make you confident. There's always going to be another thing after that. If you can accept yourself now as is, then that's enough. You are enough as is. You don't need the other things for your value. And I think once you realize that part, it's a lot easier to feel confident every day and take that and take that on those days that you aren't feeling as confident because, you know, we always have those insecure days, but as long as you know that your value and your worth doesn't come externally, then you can take that on. And it's a lot easier to, you know, going after tone legs for the right reasons to, because it feels good to move and things like mm. that, not doing it because you need to be toned and you need to be skinny and all of these things. Um, because for me, like before the house fire, I had just sort of come to terms with how I was feeling about my body and my appearance as it was. Mm. Um, 
I was like, you know, I, I'm confident in myself. And then I had this big traumatic event happen. Um, so in the beginning, it wasn't even sort of like a blip on my radar. It was, you know, recovering and survival and a lot of painful surgeries and physio and things like that. So for the most part, I hadn't even really worried about it. Um, and then the first day I saw my face after all the surgeries, cause I'd sort of caught glimpses in like window reflections. You know how we're always like, we look so much better, like in a window <laughs> reflection. <compared> to <laughs> um, and then I saw my face in the mirror for the first time and I just like burst into tears my mom was like what's wrong with you like what just happened and I'm like I just saw my face and she was like heartbroken for me when she heard um and like I still had lots of other surgeries after that so that wasn't even the final result but I hadn't realized the sort of the damage that had been done with the burns um and now like I still have um that is still something that I have to overcome during certain days and things like that it's always there's always certain parts that make me a bit more insecure than others but that was the first step because it was sort of like it was sort of grieving for the person mm -hmm. that I you know thought I was and creating a new one and accepting this new body and the way it looked so that was a first step and that was really really hard and then the one that always sticks out to me, I was in high school still. Like I went back to high school um, mm. that same year. So I was in like with my grade and they were all so supportive. Um, and like I had the best support system and really good friends around me. And that helped because I sort of, in my head, I was living in a safe little bubble of like, well, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong anyway, which there isn't. But at the time I was like, well, you know, there's nothing wrong. They're all thinking everything's fine. Um, and then I heard someone told me that was trying to like do the right thing, but they told me about um, something some other girls had said of like, oh, why, like, why is she wearing that? And blah, blah, blah. Cause I had all these burn compression garments on to help minimize the scarring. Um, and it like it really like made me go oh my god like people are people are looking people are judging um because it, it just hadn't even really crossed my mind I'm like why would you be judging right now like got yeah. big things going on like way bigger things than that going on um and they meant well and that they you know sort of told those people like stop talking about it and this is why she's wearing it and be nice basically yeah um but it really like, it really rattled me and I was really upset. But then the next day, like I turned around, I <laughs> took all my garments off and I just started taking photos like of all of my different scars. I don't, and I don't even know like what feeling like it was that triggered that. I was just like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm taking photos of everything. Like if I'm gonna be wearing these things, you can see why and what's happened and who I am now and like what's on my body. And so I took all these photos and I posted it on my um, Facebook and my Instagram with a little caption of like, you know, this is what has, this is where I'm at and this is part of my recovery. And if I want to be happy, then I need to accept this body. Because for me, the compression garments, while they were, you know, doing a job in terms of trying to heal my body, 
I felt like I was hiding, felt like I was hiding all of the new scars that I had and I was hiding away and acting like there was nothing there. So posting them was like this, you know, this is what's underneath. And if you're not okay with it, then I don't want you in my life. And I'm, I'm working on being okay with it. And this is the first step for me to really accept my body. And for me now, I actually find self-care for me. Like I actually really enjoy taking photos, which is why the modeling and the Instagram content and stuff is so good because I find it somewhat therapeutic. Like I really like finding the new angles and different like details that I can take and that look artsy in terms of my scars. I think there's real art in people's bodies. Um, so that was huge for me. And it really just turned into this it really set me in motion for the path that I'm on now. Yeah. And I can't believe you were 16 when that happened. Like that blows my mind. That was, that's such a bold statement to make. And I love, I'm going to use what you just said as a metaphor there. You, you know, you felt like the compression garments were almost hiding what, who you were and who you were trying to be rather than, you know, revealing them to the world. And I think that's what a lot of us do when we hide behind our social media accounts or our Instagram filters or just pretenses of who we're not. Um, and so I think that's so incredible that you were able to identify, hey, this is actually hampering who I need to be, who I need to express. And then you take that and make such a bold claim. So I really love that. And I would encourage anybody listening who feels like they don't have that love for themselves or they don't feel like they have that moment of acceptance for their bodies and how they are to really think about what it, what's your compression garment, you know, like what are you hiding behind? Because I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it. And you did say something before you were talking about um, internal beauty. And I think internal beauty for me, and, and I'm sure everybody can think right now, whether they've dated somebody or met somebody on the street, who's just, you know, you look at them and they're stunning and then you get to know them and there's not much there. There's not much underneath the surface. For me, internal beauty makes everything else, you know, it, it just radiates through. And, and, and I think in your journey, that's something you probably came to terms with that. And that's why that confidence for you just shines through. And when you were just talking about your, you know, bodies as an artwork, that's exactly like when I go on your feed and I look at the beautiful photos you post, it, it is art. It, it's just, it's beautiful. It's such a gorgeous way to express something that was so traumatic for you, but you've turned and you've used it and armed yourself with confidence. And that's what I get when I look at your page. So mission accomplished on your end. And I really applaud you for turning that event around because I think everyone goes through like challenging things and you know no not many people go through what you've been through that's for sure but to be able to take lessons and learnings and use it to fuel your next chapter to fuel your next path I think is a huge huge step to take so I'm very grateful that you shared that story and I'm in complete awe of you know how you've turned that around and use it to your advantage I think it's fantastic and I think the road for you is onwards and upwards from here but you did mention a little bit about self-care and I know you said photos taking photos for you something that's quite therapeutic what else do you do for self-care or actually maybe we can start with what does self-care mean to you now that you have this you know new kind of relationship with your body and how you are and how you present well thank you first of all that's <laughs> So sweet. Um, oh, I suppose for me, it's something I'm actually sort of struggling with at the moment because like my work is so busy. 
Um, so I'm sort of always coming home stressed and then it's like staying on top of all of the housework and staying on top of my actual work and then staying on top of Instagram work. Like balancing that is something I am sort of trying to like relook at at the moment. Because <laughs> um, self-care for me sort of, it's everything. Like if my room isn't clean or things are messy, I can't enjoy relaxation anyway. Me like too. I, Bloody A-type I, personalities. <laughs> I need like a clear space and I'll be like, I'll be relaxing, but I'll look around and I'm, it doesn't make me anxious, but I look around it and I'm just like this, oh yeah. Not like, relaxed. Why? Yeah. yeah like, I like to look at my room and go, oh my gosh, like this is such a nice Zen. space. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, so when I don't get to do that, I just feel, yeah, like I just don't like to be in there and then I don't like to be relaxing. So self-care looks different to me in all types of ways because part of it is just being organized and on top of things, which is something that I am really learning this year <laughs> is how to be organized and staying on top of everything. So there's just so much. Um, I've always been pretty good at it, but now I've just got a lot of plates spinning that I didn't used to have. Um, but it's just taking time for myself for things that really feed my soul. Um, I always talk to my friends and things about you need to make sure that your cup is full before you fill anyone else's. And, you know, my job working in childcare, I'm always filling up everyone else's cup. Like it's my job to take care of little children and make them feel better and give them a second home effectively. Um, so I'm always filling. And so I need to like take care of myself um, to make sure that I have enough energy and patience to be able to do that. Um, so for me, it's, um, yeah, like I said, it's a number of things. It's, it's cleaning my space and making sure my space is nice, but it's going out and doing things like going to the beach and just like sitting and taking it in and actually relaxing and taking the time to move my body um, and like actually enjoy it. A lot of the time I'm just so tired. I'm like, I don't want to go out after work and I don't want to exercise, but I always feel better if I do. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pushing through the, I'm so tired. I don't want to, I'm stressed. This is going on. I'm like, if you do it, you will feel better afterwards. You just need to fight through the war that's going on in your head right now. Um, so it's just, it's just taking the time to really do those things that work for me and make me feel better in the end. And um, skincare is something that I always try and do. I need to moisturize way more than I do um, and just take the time to really take care of myself and I think it's the little things too like self-care is always sort of glamorized as it's you know it's candles and this it's a nice bath filled with rose petals and you're watching a show or reading a book like it's it's so fancy and I'm like we don't I don't have time <laughs> I don't have time ain't nobody got time for that <laughs> literally I'm like I don't have time for that you know I'm lucky if I use my gua sha in the morning and like do all my <laughs> moisturizing and things so it's it is it's it's getting those tasks done that just little things put your washing away and brush my hair out and actually like take care of it and do my routines and things like that and stick to it for me mm -hmm. um because otherwise I'll sort of go the opposite and I'll relax but I'm just vegging out and doing nothing and then I find you know it's Sunday and I haven't gotten ready for work and I haven't put my washing away and I'm like now I'm going into the into the beginning of the week again and everything's still crazy 
Mm. Um, so yeah, it's self-care. It's like, it, yep, it can be, it can be pretty and it can be nice. It can be going to the beach and it can be having baths and things, but it also needs to be just basic caring for yourself things. So we forget about it. We're taking care of so many other different people, um, depending on what your job is and what your family situation is like and friends and partners and things. We're always taking care of other people and we're not really looking at ourselves and remembering to take care of ourselves. So for me, it's just basic self-care. No, I love that. I think it's a great point to make and a distinction to draw. Self-care is not always this glamorized thing. Like for me, it's just sometimes I just want to do a Sudoku in between interviews or in between emails. Like it doesn't have to be something grand, but 100% cleaning your environment, little things that for you are non-negotiables. Like brushing your teeth could be a form of self-care, you know, having a good night's sleep, little things like that that don't always include include the rose petals 100%. But I, um, I want to go back to something you mentioned at the start, which was you said a phrase, I need to relook at my balance and I'm going to... Um, I definitely want to dive into this because on the podcast, when we speak about balance and the whole reason I started this concept was I was a little bit fed up with the concept of work-life balance. And you'll appreciate this because for you, work and life are not necessarily separate. You have a lot that's in your life that's technically classified as work and you potentially really love your job. And so it doesn't feel like that. Oh, I have to go to work type situation. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's not, I'm not sure, but essentially I didn't like the distinction between the two because there's a lot of crossover and in reality, we cannot make them 50-50. So that work-life balance metric for me, I don't think is sustainable as a blueprint for everybody to reach. So the way I like to reapproach it is to say, hey, we've all got our health, which is your emotional and sorry, your mental and your physical health. You've got your relationships, so family, friends, uh, love life, and then you've got your area of fulfillment. And that's where your work, career, hobbies passions, side hustles, all of that comes in. And the concept of balance is you've got your foot in all those areas at all given moments in time, at least one foot, but you can put more emphasis on each of those areas, depending on the day, depending on the year, depending on the month. And so when you just said you've got to relook at your balance, it is exactly that. It's a process where you have to reassess your balance every day and ask what your balance needs from you that day. Maybe you really need this weekend to just stay at home with family because your relationship cup is a little bit empty and that's going to help you rebalance everything because they're so intertwined, especially the health one. I feel like it really underpins a lot of our other areas. So if you're also someone listening who, you know, feels like 90% of your week is in that fulfillment category, but you love what you're doing, there's no need to feel that guilt for not working less or not being at home more. If that's what you love and that's what fills your soul, as long as, you know, taking care of yourself and having some relationships that fuel your soul, then that's absolutely fine to do. So with when you just mentioned that, I just wanted to share that. I thought it'd be useful not only to you, but everyone listening. When you do relook at your balance, because you definitely have to, as life goes on, things happen. You have kids, you got to move countries, you change jobs. Like you will always need to reassess that balance. And all the things we spoke about, the self-care things, the habits, those may change as well. And so I think having that flexible approach with balance and not thinking it's just one size that fits all. And this, what works for me now is going to work for me forever. I think that's a really beautiful thing to remind ourselves of too. Absolutely. I really, really love that. That's an excellent analogy. I actually, um, I did a work PD a little while ago and it, there's a thing in childcare called Phoenix cups. And it's like, you're, they're all the basic needs. So, um, 
these days it's connections and safety and um, mastery and there's a few others but it's different for everybody and a different order and different like cups are bigger and need to be filled more and things like that and that really like they translate so easy together and it absolutely is like different things fulfill different people and so everybody's balance is going to be different it doesn't fit everyone and like I really love that that's perfect yeah no and I like that idea too you can look at it as some cups are bigger than others and like I said that will probably change like on what your balance or what you need on a Wednesday or a Monday is going to be different to a Sunday so you know knowing I suppose yourself and and try I think I always say just try different things try different self-care habits try different routines and until you find something that sticks and then they'll become a point in time you know if you look back at what you're doing when you were 16 or 15 or 14 like such different habits and daily routines but those things evolve so don't you know don't be scared to relook at it as life goes on and when you do feel that overwhelm it probably means you're too much in one area and hardly in the other two and you probably just need to reconfigure it in a way that suits you where you're at at you know at that moment in your life but um, I did want to ask you one more thing before I let you go. And it's sort of on the back of the trauma you've gone through, the challenges you've faced in your own recovery. Is there any sort of way you now look at challenges or hurdles in life that have been taught to you from that experience or just in general, how do you approach challenges? Do you sort of have a set way you, you do that? I suppose... Um... For me, the beginning of that is recognizing recognizing when it is a challenge and how it's making me feel. Um, I something I've really, really learned is like being self aware of my emotions and where they're actually coming from. That's amazing. Um, and knowing how to like, like learning when I'm actually am feeling overwhelmed, and how like how that feels. Because I'll find at work, like I'm, I'm stressed and I'm like, why am I stressed? And then I, I, I backtrack. I'm like, oh, okay, this is why I'm stressed. And then, you know, you can fix it. So I think probably just like that, looking at a challenge and finding out why is it a challenge? How is it making me feel? Why is it making me feel like that? And then I can, once I've worked all those things out, I can backtrack it and I can divide it into smaller things. Um, I think that's how I sort of overcome all of the challenges is everything gets cut up into bite-sized pieces that are manageable and not Mm. having unrealistic expectations on myself of trying to fix something that's huge or you know taking on a challenge that's way too big or way too fast and things like that you know I need to be aware of my own limits um, and setting smaller goals and making that realistic you know I even find I find it at um it's how I handled things when I think I was even just little, you know, cleaning my room was so overwhelming and it's, you know, do one piece at a time in a small corner and then you keep going. Um, so I've taken that everywhere. And I think, um, yeah, dealing with the fire and the recovery after that, it was all the same because it was a step-by-step process. Nothing could be done all at once. Um, so for me, it's, yeah, looking at things and dividing it up into, yeah, how it's making me feel and answering those questions to myself and definitely having support around you as well is a big one. I have really good support around me pretty much all the time. So making sure that the people that you have around you are a solid support system and that you can rely on them when you need to. 
Absolutely. And um, what an incredible intuitive way to approach problems, even from a young age, you know, the small things. That's the easiest way to overcome any overwhelm you have with any big task. So I love that. And one thing you said, so when you, you know, you've had a rough day and then you'll look back and you'll be like, oh, well, that's why, because you've piecemealed it and you've gone, I've had all these issues. The reason I love that point is because often if you've started the day, and something happens that doesn't match your expectation instantly you're in a bad mood and then everything that happens after that will feel more you know exacerbated and negative had that first thing not happened and so when you actually break it down you'll be like hmm i wasn't actually angry that someone cut me off in traffic i was actually angry at the thing that happened this morning and so you start to break down the source of that emotion which is why i love that you start at that investigating point And it's really about just giving yourself that space when these challenges come up and not kind of just accept them for what they are and don't accept that you have to feel angry about life and everything and you're a victim. You know, when you do and you go and become a little bit inquisitive, a little bit curious, you can probably find the source and just sit with it. And, you know, I I kind of do a similar thing. You know, you acknowledge where it is in your body. You let that emotion surface. And I've mentioned this movie heaps of times on the podcast before. Do you have you watched the movie Inside Out? Yes. (laughs) Well, it's just, it's just a beautiful analogy, I think, for emotions. Sometimes they just need to drive the wheel. Sometimes they just want to put their color ball in the memory box. Like you've just got to let them do their thing. And if you don't, they're going to take over at some point. So, you know, when these things come up, sitting with them at the moment of challenge, I think that's a, that's a really great skill. So thanks so much for sharing that with everyone. Exactly. I think too, like the more self-aware you, aware you are, the easier it is to identify those emotions as well, because we sort of break it down easily in terms of I feel sad, I feel happy, I feel angry. But those are such broad terms for actually really complicated emotions. Like I feel disappointed or mm. I feel betrayed. Like those are different than I'm just sad. Yeah. So when you can actually really identify the specific emotion, and that's something that we have to learn. Um, it's definitely not something I was really aware of until I started going to therapy and I started going to therapy after the fire. Um, and yeah, once I'd learned that I now I'm five years on and I do it all the time and my mom does it all the time and just looking in depth at emotions and finding out what that emotion actually is and mm. where it's coming from. And it gets easier and easier the more you do it. And it's such an important skill I think for your own mental health and your own just growth um, of finding out where these things are coming from. Absolutely. Cause often if you don't do that investigative work, the ego just takes over and it's very hard to see clearly where that emotion's coming from. But if you actually sit with it, you can bypass that reactive response to whatever's happening. You can actually think and see things clearly, which I mean, like teenager me did not know what that meant. <laughs> And I still like, I still struggle with the reactive emotions for sure. Like I'm very fiery. (laughs) So (laughs) I just all the time am reactive and I have to fight and be like, stop, just take a minute, take a breath. Think about why you're feeling this. For me, I always find that if I'm disappointed, feeling disappointed always makes me feel angry. And my automatic reaction is to be angry at everyone else that's disappointed me. I'm like, at the end of the day, you're not angry at them you're just disappointed because the plans changed or things didn't work out so once you know that you're getting to know yourself the more you get to know these emotions and where they're coming from and why 
the more you get to know yourself and the more you can learn and grow from that. Absolutely. And there's this one other thing I learned in therapy, which I'll add is we have different tolerance windows for different emotions. And I think the more you start paying attention, you'll be like, okay, I must have a very short tolerance window for stress. I must have a very short tolerance window for anger, but I have a really high tolerance for embarrassment because, you know, I don't really get embarrassed often or when I do, I get over it or I don't really feel that stress. So emotions, you feel a lot, you potentially have a shorter tolerance window for and so they get at you faster if you're always feeling an emotion you can kind of work that out and if you have a higher tolerance for an emotion it probably like I don't I don't really get angry it's not really an emotion I feel so I can only assume I have a high tolerance for it but if something's bugging you then you can start to reflect and be like hmm maybe I just have a short fuse for this one and awareness is just the quickest way to get around that but just quickly before I let you go I know I said that was the last question but just one more (laughs) do you um So when you say like you're reflecting and you're, you know, just becoming more self-aware, do you have a process of journaling? Is it meditation? Is it just something you just sit with yourself and think about? Like, is there something specific you do? Um, Probably a combination of thinking and talking. Um, My mum and I are very like psychology podcasts and things like that all the time. (laughs) Um, But usually like I'll come home and I live with my mum still. So I always just talking her ear off. So for me, (laughs) I'm sure she loves it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a combination of just sitting and I'll be thinking about something or I'll be thinking about how it makes me feel and I'll probably start to process it myself. Um, but I find, I think I'm like a, I can't think of the word for it now, but listening and hearing things, like I learn better that way. Audio, I think it's audio, um, audio, visual. I think visual is like when you like seeing things, maybe like an audio I don't know it either. People listening, don't don't quote us on this. <laughs> but it's gone from the brain. It's Friday. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I always find that I can process things better when I'm talking. So I always say to my friends, like, I'm like, I'm just talking. I don't actually need you to say anything. I'm just talking. And then I, I start to come to realizations as I process things in my head. So generally I just talk. Sometimes I will like voice memo things to myself. Um, particularly if I'm like working on a caption for like an Instagram post with sort of a meaning behind it and I'm trying to articulate my feelings and what I'm thinking Um, yeah talking is a huge one for me so it just helps me process I can literally start coming to conclusions in my head yeah I'm literally exactly the same it's probably not coincidence that I'm a podcaster and that's my preferred form of communication but absolutely talking for me and just sitting with those thoughts is such a great way to make sense of them but for people listening it could be journaling you know maybe more visual and you need to spell it out or drawing something creative or you know meditating on it so just you know when you get to know yourself again you'll see what your preferred style of communication is and you can probably tell as well like if you've had a fight with someone what's your go-to do you need space and time to reflect do you want to talk about it straight away do you want to you know write them a text like have a think about what your reactive response is i'm sure there's a test online where you could do like just google like how can i test like testing my communication styles i'm sure there's something online if anyone's interested um but definitely good to work out i guess where you sit because then you can like you said like you can tell your friends hey i just need to talk i don't need your advice because that's something i'm bad at when my partner talks to me i'm like i want to fix everything for you like let me try and come up with answers he's like no i just need you to listen so if you know your communication style it actually can enhance your relationships too i think i'm the same too honestly as for someone that's like 
just listen to me. I don't actually need you to say anything. Whenever my friends come to me, I'm like, all right, so we can do this, 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 this. Plan A, B, C. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. All right, lovely. Well, it's been so nice to get to know you a little bit further than what we see on the gram, which by the way, is just beautiful. And I will pop a link to it in the show notes below, but I just want to thank you for your time. I know your schedule is a little bit chaotic at the moment. So I do appreciate the time taken to share your story and your love and expression with everybody today. And I can't wait to see what the next year or so brings for you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on. I, It's so interesting. I love the podcast and chatting about all this stuff. So for me, it's like, I'm like, I'm having fun. I'm not at work. <laughs> exactly. And that's why the work-life balance isn't a good one because yeah, exactly. work is life. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> all right, lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much.